Today's episode is brought to you by Caviar, an easy way to order meals from the best local restaurants across the U.S. For more information, visit trycaviar.com or download their free mobile app for iOS and Android. Full Service Radio. You're listening to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio. I'm your host, Atara. And I'm your other host, Ariel. And we are the founders of Pineapple Collaborative, a community for women who love food. Uh, There are 70,000 of us across the country and even around the world um, who convene online and offline with food as the centerpiece. We host events in D.C., San Francisco, New York once a month. Hopefully soon in L.A. Hopefully soon in L.A. And we have really great digital content that explores a woman's style, identity, and values through food. So find us in your inbox on Instagram at Pineapple Collaborative. Um, as well as this podcast. Uh, This is kicking off um, our next season of amazing shows that will feature women from across the country. Uh, This episode is with Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. Um, She is part of the John and Vinny's restaurant group. They have Animal, John and Vinny's, uh, Kismet, so many amazing spots in LA and she has her namesake wine shop uh, which is in the back of John and Vinny's it's a little gem that um, we highly recommend you check out when you're in LA and they have such cool programming I guess you could say around their wine from events uh, in their bottle shop to coming to your home and she just also launched a podcast called Wine Face, which I listen to, and it's super rad. She's got such great energy and vibes around wine. I think it's really one of the ideal pine for wine uh, concepts, people, women. When we think about natural wine and women, like Helen is, is it. Yeah. And so we will be plugging in an interview that Ariel did with Helen uh, a few weeks back. Before we do that, um, each week we check in with each other to see all the things that we pine for in the great world of women and food. When we say pine for, we mean our concept that admiring other women or organizations, ideas, brands is powerful beyond measure and it creates community. So we're going to introduce our pine for guide um, all around delivery. Ariel, do you want to explain our new partnership that we have with Caviar? Totally. So Caviar is uh, an awesome food delivery company that's available in D.C., New York, San Francisco, L.A., and beyond. And here in D.C., we've piloted um, a Pine Fork collection with them, which is uh, a pick of our 15 favorite women-powered spots in Washington, D.C. And by women-powered, we mean uh, run or owned by women um, and it's a recognition of incredible restaurateurs, chefs, um, as well as um, you know women throughout the industry who are making this city more delicious. Yeah, I think there are 19 spots, and it's a really easy way for diners to order online and support their favorite women-powered businesses. So with that, what are some of our favorite things? We've been ordering a lot on Caviar lately, but what, are, what is one of our favorite places to order online through Caviar? 
Yeah, shout out to Chaya. Uh, it's a seasonal veggie taco shop uh, run by Bettina Stern and Suzanne Simon. And um, we're choosing this spot today because it's got definite California vibes. Um, again, all seasonal vegetables, uh, delicious uh, like microgreens that garnish the top of these tacos that are made with handmade corn tortillas. Uh, so their market trio is definitely our order um it is a mainstay for us for sure yeah and goes perfectly with some delicious natty wine from california or just this episode which you know (laughs) has uh natty wine cali vibes so um yeah go to um try caviar dot com and look for the pineapple collection or the pine four collection um and you can use the code pineapple for free delivery and with that, here's Ariel's interview with Helen. Full service radio. All right, welcome to Pineapple Radio. I'm your host, Ariel, and I'm here today with Helen Johansson. What up? And we are sitting in the lobby of the Line Hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, so different than we normally are, which is Usually we're in the lobby of the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. in Adams Morgan, but today we're in Koreatown, and there's no recording studio here, so we're just out in the open right next to the bar, so great place for this show. <laughs> so quiet. <laughs> so quiet. Um, perfect place to talk about and drink wine, which is the topic of today's show. Uh, Helen, um, as I will get to in just a moment, is an incredible uh, mover and shaker in the wine world and someone personally who I've looked up to ever since I became interested in wine. And I think she and her team um, have been a huge influence on my journey uh, drinking and discovering oh the world of wine. So thank you for being here. I mean, thank you. That That is intense and amazing to hear. And I'm so happy and I'm so honored to be here. So yes. Yeah. Soak it all up. Um, at Pineapple, we uh, go by our guiding philosophy called Pine Four, which is, I think, exactly what I just did to you. <laughs> um, and Pine Four is the idea that admiring other women, women-made products, uh, women-powered movements or companies, it creates community. And it is the definition of collaboration over competition. By pining for you and your business um, and just like sharing my love for it, uh, we're here today and creating community and showing that like admiring each other is the way to go. I absolutely love that and could not agree more. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Well, just a quick note for all of you who are maybe tuning in for the first time. Uh, Pineapple Radio is the show of Pineapple Collaborative, uh, which is a company that I started alongside my co-founder, Atara Bernstein, who sadly isn't here today. And we are a community for women who love food. Uh, There's over 70,000 of us across channels, and we host events in D.C., New York, and San Francisco. Uh, We write digital content, uh, specifically Pine Four Pantry, where we peek into the kitchens of women we admire. It's pretty fun. Check it out. Uh, We are very social on Instagram, so hit us up there. Um, Use hashtag Pine Four. And uh, we have this radio show where we explore um, a topic with a guest and uh, dig into her style, identity, and values through food, and today, wine. Uh, So a little bit more about our guest. Um, As some of you 
as many of you probably know, um, Helen oversees the wine programs for the gamut of L.A. restaurants, uh, owned, partly owned, managed by John Shook and Vinny Dottolo. Did I say that right? Yeah, you nailed it, girl. Great. Okay. It's kind of a mouthful. And it uh, is a lineup of amazing spots like Animal, Son of a Gun, uh, Trois Mec, Petit Trois, John and Vinny's. Trois Familia and Kismet, where I just had lunch um, about an hour ago. Got to hang out with Sarah and uh, Kay, who is the wine director there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, had an amazing workday natty wine. They have this cool menu of three wines they pour, right? I mean, tell us yeah, about it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I started working with Kismet like five months after they'd opened. And their former beverage director left and I was like, all right, dude, we got to like pull this up by the bootstraps. The program was good, but we were just like, let's make it better. And that neighborhood beckons the daytime drinker, the person who doesn't want to spend a lot, but they want to get like catch a vibe at four, three, two thirty, whatever. Yeah. And so it started, uh, it had a different name when it started and now they've morphed it into Workday. It's it's amazing. I think it's so smart. And Kay was someone who was working there. And in the deep recesses of my mind, I was like, Kay is dope as fuck. Can I correct? Sorry. Yeah, please. Kay's super rad. She needs to like have a platform, have a voice, and like a lot of what I do across the board. And it really happens to be for women mostly. That is not. Uh, it's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I think they gravitate towards me, and I gravitate towards them. But you know, dudes are welcome. More than happy to mentor men. Um, and she was someone who I really hoped would work with me over a period of like five months, which we did and kind of step into the role of beverage director and she's killing it. And it was great. And it's all about confidence building and teaching women, especially because it's not information that's taught to us about how to run a profitable program, how to buy wine that sells. It's really important. I want to dig into that. That is one of my questions on today's show. But first, so that listeners get a sense for who you are. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get here um, running wine for so many amazing restaurants and mentoring you know, women and also men? But just like, how did you get here? How, how did Helen's Wine come to be? My name is Helen. Um, <laughs> I come from far away. Yes. Uh, I grew up in New York City, actually, and... I knew at a really young age I was going to move to L.A. because of the farms and the food and the avocados and the mountains and the sage. I had the opportunity to come out here when I was 14. I was just like, whoa, this exists. This is crazy. I can follow my dreams. I totally had that gold rush syndrome. It still existed, I think, 10 years ago. And I found wine through food. So my first love is food, making it, growing it, eating it, going to restaurants, preserving it, like everything that's connected with it. It's what I grew up with, even Mm -hmm. in New York City. My mom was like real into natural food at a very, very young age. We had a big garden. Um, So that's how I ended up in L.A. And I started working with John and Vinny nine years ago. And I was the GM of Animal and the wine director. And they were like, do you know how to run a wine program? And I was like, yes. And I didn't. I was like faking it till I make it and at that time there were really not that many other female buyers and everybody was like well are you an advanced sommelier in the court of master and so it was all these barriers to entry but these guys were like you seem cool and let's we catch a vibe and let's do it and then six years after that we became business partners and now we are here today amazing that was like long story short but yeah so from like 
GM of one restaurant to essentially a business partner managing wine programs for multiple restaurants and uh, also opening up your own wine shop within a restaurant. Yes. Tell us um, about it. So three years ago, we opened John and Vinny's and Helen's, and I'm really fortunate to be a partner in both of those projects Mm -hmm. because they kind of cohabitate. They share a lifeline. We don't think of them as separatists, even though we grow them as separate brands. And Helen's was a beta inception. I wanted my own business. Um, Retail is really, really hard. It's really hard to get off the ground. Mm. It's hard to change people's buying habits in a way that because it's not necessity based Mm. and so we were like we have this sick license where we can sell beer and wine to go and we're a restaurant and we can be open like crazy amount of hours a day let's build our dream and it's really a love letter to each other and to ourselves of what we've been working so hard for an amalgamation of all the restaurants all the things our friendship and so Helen's opened in the back and for a year literally people couldn't figure out what it was and Mm -hmm. I naively thought people would just walk back there because of the pedigree and like that brought a lot of humility into my life where Mm. I was like oh the only person who's gonna make Helen's happen is me Mm. and so I've spent the last two and a half years like really pushing that boulder up the hill I'm I'm going on and on about it but I'm I'm very interested I mean I think the concept of a wine shop within a restaurant um you know you don't even have that street visibility so someone can be like oh I need wine on my way home so you allude to needing to work for it so um I imagine you got creative like thinking about how do I like market this um can you give us insights into things that you did that worked I know you've got like a delivery program I know you do these like training events uh talk to us about it So I, you know, John and Vinny were like, you have a million built-in customers already coming in. Like everybody should dine and buy a bottle of wine. And the reality is people won't do that. And so I quickly figured out that I couldn't assume people would find me. I had to bring myself to the people and then the like boomerang would come back. Mm -hmm. So I basically threw myself out there into the world and it started with classes. And I was like, People aren't educated. They don't know why they should be buying wine from me and not from a supermarket. And Mm. that was the first hurdle where I was like, education is key. Women were my target right away because we love to buy stuff and we also love to be in the know. And not just like, yeah, hip and trendy, but it's also knowledge is power and we're deprived of so much of it from our birth that that was the main goal right away. So I did events, I did classes, I did classes for free for a while, invite only. And that's also where I launched the wine club where mm-hmm. it's subscription-based, delivered in LA. I sent educational notes and those two things just started to snowball. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we do a multiple classes per week and we have a really big wine club and it's amazing and what's happened is it's created more shop traffic and shop revenue. But I, you know, It was a lot of hard work. It was really hard. Yeah. And so are all the classes in the wine shop? Some, they used to be. Yeah. Um, Now we have too much foot traffic. Like I'm, it's crazy for me to even say that because I feel like I bang my head against the wall so many times. I was like, the wine here is dope. Why won't people come in? Yeah. Um, So now we have a space that's next to John and Vinny's. It's private. We do classes there and I go to people's houses and offices all the time. Amazing. And I've trained like five psalms. If I can't go, they go. 
That's people awesome. love it. Yeah. I did a um, like a five or six wine tasting there. Yeah, uh, the flight. The flight. And I have to tell you, it was like one of the best wine experiences I've ever had. Um, I forget the woman's name. What did she? Red like hair? Sasha. Sasha. Sasha's the so bomb. I did remember. Yes. Sasha Puchala. She's like one of my head saw him at Helen's. And, uh, you know, people think the word flight is like kind of conventional and like St. Frank Sinatra. Like, I'm going to do a wine flight. I love it. I'm like, same. I want to buckle up. I want to pre-check approved. Like, I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, okay, so I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I was like, this seems like pretty reasonable. Yeah. You know, like five wines for 25 bucks and um, how great, you know, yeah. I get to hang out with someone on your team. And she was so educational and inspiring and engaging. And I, yeah. you know, I don't live in LA, I live in DC, um, but I feel like if I lived here I would do that at least monthly <laughs> and yes. I couldn't stop talking about it I like still can't stop talking about it because I just felt like you know she was so cool and she was like interested in the fact that we were interested in wine which yes. I think a lot of people in the wine industry are annoyed when you like go and you ask a lot of questions and you don't per se know you're just like curious and they don't take that as like an invitation to engage but like your team does I feel like a lot of wine professionals, and I don't like to talk smack about my peers, but I feel like it's like a series of shutdown tactics. And I think for us, we really just want to get on someone's level. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how I am. I'm like, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Yeah. But I'm not going to like talk over you. And it's so amazing to hear that you had that experience because that's exactly the outcome. And monthly is perfect because we changed the whole entire BTG program over. And that's what the flights based on and btg is stands by the glass by the glass, by the glass. of course um insider info yeah. <laughs> it means that like all the wine is fresh we're not mm -hmm. coraventing it i mean not that i'm against coraventing but it's it's wines that like were open that day if you loved one of them and you're eating dinner you could get a glass of it it's yeah like accessible wines that if you wanted to buy a retail it's affordable yeah so tell us how you come up with like your buy the glass uh, menu or list I should say and as well as like your bottle list because I feel like you talked earlier about how it's so important for wine professionals and your team to really understand you know what tastes good but also what sells mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about that process I think the process is evolving. I mean, some days I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Helen? Like, you don't, you still don't, there is no easy formula for it. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the litmus test is like, you have to want to drink more than one glass of that wine. Mm -hmm. Whether you do or not is irrelevant, but any wine that comes into the shop has to be super, super drinkable at all price points. The buy the glass, I try and have a balance you know there's something for everyone even if it's not a great varietal that you're gonna see like Chardonnay I can latch on to that I'm familiar with it but there'll be something that has a similar mouthfeel like we have a Roussan from the Northern Rhone right now made by Souillard and it's so pretty and it, it, it's an amazing wine that has like texture and vibe and feel that you would mm. want from like a white burgundy a Chardonnay from France but takes you on this other journey as well because mm -hmm. of the soil differentiations and the differences in the grapes. So BTG is fun. I love it. I love pouring stuff that'll like blow my staff's minds, that st stretches their imaginations, mm -hmm. that stretches the diner. We always have skin contact wine. And then the bottle list is 
really insane because it's based on the retail. Mm -hmm. So I usually buy for retail first and then it just kind of ends up in this beautiful collage on the bottle list. Yeah. So what to you is a super drinkable wine? Like what are the qualities that you would ascribe to it? I brought three wines that are drinking really well today, but um, it depends what level, level. Let's say you're 26 let's say, and you don't have a lot of money, but you like to drink good wine. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely be able to buy a bottle that's like 14 to $20 that's dope. And drinkable means to me that you're achieving a sort of balance in the sip that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And it's a great ratio of like minerality, acidity, and fruit, earth, um, sort of aromatics, spice, mm-hmm. and that you're experiencing some sort of expression of terroir. And that the grape has just been a vehicle for all of that. Yeah. So you're getting transported. You're having a moment. It can't be described as like a full-bodied red. Mm -hmm. That's not drinkable. The drinkability is the insatiable aspect of it. Mm. I want more. Mm -hmm. So two follow-up questions on that. (laughs) Um, When you say terroir, I think it's a concept that people are starting to understand, which is it's from a place, um, like a very specific place uh, from a you know, time, um, meaning like this year, this harvest, um, as well as potentially like a producer, uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, to me, like what, what yeah. how do you like identify when you're like, and it has a terroir, like what does that mean? Cause I, I think yeah. I understand what you're saying by like, it's balanced yeah. and I sometimes call that like, Oh, this one's three dimensional. Like it's like all the yes. things yes. Um, rather than like two dimensional or like less than that. <laughs> well, yeah. Also an, Interesting balanced wine will hit your palate in more than one place physically, mm-hmm. which is also important. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, man, terroir is like so much bigger than just a place. It's it's a cosm. It's like in the cosmos almost. But ooh, I yeah. like it. Do 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 do. So it's about the actual soil. It's about the geological substructure, topsoil. It's also about the terrain. So. Not only is what the soil made of, what is its texture, shape, drainage, what direction are the slopes facing. It's also about the people, the traditions, the cultures surrounding that vinification and agricultural process. It's about the person who made it. So it's like sort of sometimes I compare it to this concept of umami in Japanese cuisine where that is you're combining all these like seven what is it seven different things to have one like orgasmic reaction Mm -hmm. and I think terroir is like describing the practice of that it takes to have that effect and to have a more deep effect when you make wine so you wouldn't be like man this wine is so terroir but you would be like wow like, let's talk about the terroirs to talk about the maker, the place, the soil, all these things kind mm-hmm. of mush together. So it's the practice. Uh, terroir is the practice that it takes to, like, achieve what you're drinking. Yeah. I mean, in a rudimentary term, it means the earth. Right. So right. a lot of people associate it with, like, it's just, like, is the soil limestone or schist or granite? And, like, what grape goes in? And that's just the discussion of terroir. Yeah. But it in the culture of France and like in its igniting as a term, it means more things than that. Like physically where you are on the map, what town it is, what language do they speak? Who's the winemaker? What, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's everything. And I'm sure the terroir aspect is something that like you as someone who loves food and agriculture and culture around food and beverage, like 
those stories um, really must be fascinating. Because like when I drink wine, I think a wine is made better, not just when it tastes delicious, but I get to learn like who's the maker, where did it come from? It's the best. What was the viticulture, viniculture? I don't even really know what these terms mean, but just like starting to dig into it. And I'm like, I could like learn this all day. Yeah, I think it, people love a story, eh? But I think it helps contextualize for people when I say, just don't buy Whispering Angel, okay? Just don't, just stop. Just right. don't, just put it down. I know you see it. You think you like it, but you actually hate it if you tried something else. Right. Because it has absolutely zero concept of terroir in that bottle. But um, I think these stories, like, of a winemaker help suck people into the wine and make it less intimidating, mm -hmm. you know? Like, we remember things better if it's, like, a story on a storyline rather than it being so technical and heady. Right. So it's like how, for me, they inspire me. I get so amped up. The privilege to visit some of these people is just like mind blowing. Yeah. And so intimate. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like to um, visit producers? You know, I'm sure everyone is different. So what do you come away with? I've had so many different um experiences on visits I would say for the most part they're all amazing I mean then there's the couple visits where like they totally stand you up and they just don't show up and you feel insignificant in their world even though you have this like deep love for their wine mm. um, I think it's you like suddenly all the dots get connected mm -hmm. and there is no doubt in your mind about like okay are they doing organic farming or what really is happening in the cellar you have the opportunity to ask any question without judgment because they're really there like at their tried and true spirit when it's an amazing winemaker they just want you to understand what they're doing mm. and so how often would do you visit source or like uh it's hard i mean this year i, I was in i brought um i was in sicily in june awesome and i brought a wine from one of the places i visited can't wait made by sisters yes. um but I would say on average once a year, I would like it to be three or four times a year. Yeah. It's been hard just getting the business. Like, I just can't get away. I can. It's a choice, you know? Yeah. And um, so I would say two is what we're moving into. Yeah. Domestic as well as, like, European yeah. or foreign. Most, yeah. Mostly old world. Okay. I do do visits in California, but it's one of those like weird syndromes where it's so close yet so far away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite female winemakers is a woman named Martha Stuman. She's in Mendocino and I'm going to trying to make it work so I can go work harvest with her in September. Cool. I think she's just like a visionary and incredibly talented yeah accessible for everyone so let's talk about martha i actually had my first martha stuman wine at animal oh yes and um when i look at a wine list at any restaurant i try to see if i can identify a woman's name from the list and then mm -hmm. i like to ask about those wines to see if it's something i want to drink and um your you know som or whoever we were working or we were with that <laughs> night. Um, she was like raving about the wine. Bethany. Uh, 
probably yeah. Bethany and uh, it was the best decision we could have made. So, um, and I've since, you know, like ordered her wines. We, we feature her in our pine floor guide and she's I'm incredible. Like hooked on Martha because of <laughs> Helen's wines. That's amazing. And I, you guys should go visit her for sure. Yeah. Um, I think we're trying to go in October. That is so dope. She, yeah. ever since she worked for Brock Cellars for a long time. Cool. So I've loved wines that her hand has been attached to. And I think, there was a lot of impatience. Like she always wanted to go out on her own is what she was telling me, but waited and waited. And she came out of the like gate running, like every vintage that she has made has been amazing. So why do you think that is? I think she did something similar to what I did, which is you learn and you test yourself and you understand things on someone else's dime in some Mm. way. So that when you are ready to like, jump off that little bridge into the world that is definitely harder for a woman. I would just be honest. It's harder yeah. for us. Uh, it's not as like crazy. You're not navigating things blindly. There's so much I learned running our company for six years that set me up for crazy success. Like I knew, I know P&Ls. I know how to read them. I know how to, what I need to do to make my percentages work. Mm-hmm. Just that is sets you up in such a different way and same with her totally it's Atara. while we're on break i want to tell you that we're so grateful for working with caviar on this episode they're one of our all-time favorite partners and it's a great way to order from your favorite local restaurants online yeah and you can either pick up at the restaurant or have it delivered to your home or office which we do on the regular Um, And it's great because it's a whole variety of spots from breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, So many of our favorite women-owned restaurants are on Caviar, which is awesome. And yeah, you can download the app for free and um, also order online via their website. And they're available in like all the cities we go to, from New York to San Francisco and D.C., of course, but also L.A. or Portland or Austin. To learn more, visit trycaviar.com. So on that note of um, women doing rad things in wine, I feel like whether it's winemakers, um, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself, folks who are like managing wine shops or distributors, um, there are lots of women um, kind of coming into the business and doing rad shit and so I would love for you to like talk about what you're seeing in the world of women and wine right now yes uh I think it's great um I think it's great on a national level in Los Angeles uh there's amazing women who are across the board restaurants retail I have a lot of respect for you know a lot of people something that like kind of bothers me that happens out here I think it happens in New York too is like there's this like hater thing that can happen there's such a default mode of being competitive retailer to retailer or Hmm. not from me but just chatter Um, or someone like Marissa Ross for example who's a friend I think she's rad we're speaking on a panel together in three weeks I can't wait Woo! it's just the two of us we've done it before it's a wild ride who you know people take a strong position and everyone thinks that it's like you either have to come out for or against it instead of thinking about wine as a conversation. Mm. Um, I think it's amazing. I'm really happy that more women are buyers. We have amazing palates. I've mentored a lot of women who are 
have gone on to be really successful mm-hmm. and I couldn't have been happier. Some of them are doing their own thing. Um, one of them was just in this like wine enthusiast 40 under 40 with me, Crushing. which is so cool. I'm just like, that's rad, Ashley. Like, What is Ashley doing now? She owns a restaurant called All Time. Oh, yeah. Ashley yeah. Ragavan. Yeah. I'm meeting with her on Thursday. <laughs> cool. Yeah. She, uh, uh, she was the first person I hired an animal to take over for me, and it was a really big deal because we'd gotten the place to this point, and I taught her a lot about wine. And that's now amazing. She's, like, doing really, really well. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is the Pine Four philosophy at work, if uh, you don't mind me ascribing that to what you just said, because I think it's, you know, women lifting each other up, sharing what we know. And I think as consumers, you were saying this earlier, like women control like 85% of like consumer purchasing power. And we really care about, you know, what we buy. And I think that's awesome. And especially now as more women are getting in the position of selling wines, um, you know, we have that opportunity to like learn together and share the best with each other. In DC, my favorite wine shops, bars, um, all women at the helm. Yeah. Uh, And I found I was able to connect with them so much more over, you know, exploring, drinking fun wines and talking about it rather than like you know, no offense, but like the six-year-old dude at the wine shop, when I went to ask about natural wines, he's like, we don't do that here. Yeah. That's, and he's just not understanding what it is. Yeah. Too. So it's, it's a, a safe weird response. Space, and yeah. It's like a fun space too. I love it. I, I think that, I think that there's a tendency in women like still to be competitive with each other. And that, I think I brought it up vaguely, but I just think it's something that like men often excel because I look at John and Vinny and they have all these friends who are chefs, right? And the, most of them are men. They're better chef friends mm-hmm. and they share ideas. They share technique. They share, they all own the same business. They all own a restaurant and some of them are competitive, but like there's this level of camaraderie that in the wine world, I'm excited it, we're seeing more with like this influx of women where it's like we can all buy the same wine. We can do the same stuff. There is enough for everyone. Like yeah. high tides rise all boats is sort of my philosophy. And so that's what I'm excited about. And I just hope that more women in L.A., because I think could happen, can just get more like cozy with each other. Into it. Yeah. Into it a lot. Um, What would you want to see more of besides, you know, that camaraderie, like in the wine world in general, whether it's like, I would love for guests at our restaurants to like not be afraid to like engage with us about the wine list or something completely different. Yeah. I wish people felt more comfortable saying, I don't know anything about wine or I don't know how to describe what I like. Can I try something? Just the, if the vulnerability could increase a little bit. Uh, I think that would be incredible. Um, I don't know. I I just hope that the tension, like there's in L.A., I can just speak about L.A. Yeah. There's a little bit of tension about like not people who really are more into conventional wine versus natural wine on the distributor and buyer side. Mm. And I just don't understand why everyone needs to get so like intense about it. Mm-hmm. And so that I hope can like ease. I think there's people selling wine who there's new wine coming to the marketplace and they're just like, Oh my God, I was the big dog here. And now there's like 20 dogs. Right. But there's also like 50 more restaurants. So it's all good, dude. Right. Yeah. Gotta, gotta stay fresh. Yeah. (laughs) Encourage us all to stay fresh. Um, I just think more togetherness. Like I never see 
especially the other women who outside of my group are buyers. So I'm starting it within our group. I'm calling it the Wine Assassins, but like that's not its official name, but it's literally anyone who's a buyer, which is myself, Bethany at Animal, uh, Molly, Kelly, who's now on the Ludo side, mm-hmm. and Kay, we're going to have dinner. We're starting with dinner to share ideas and wines we've tasted and discuss. And mm. I'm hoping that can become a bigger thing if people wanted to be a part of it. Uh, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll move to LA. I'll yeah. be a part of it. You're uh, hired. Great. I can't. This is all right. We're done with the show. <laughs> Bye. Um, no, but we we're going to dig into some wine yeah. very soon. I know oh. you brought us. Um, let's yeah, let's bring them out. You okay. brought us um, cool. some beautiful uh, women made wines that are some of your faves. And um, let's talk about it. Um, but one question that I have before we do that. So you were just saying like to be vulnerable and to like ask to taste like what like do you ask to taste like one wine, two wines, like how many is like too many? And because I go to a restaurant now and I like look at a great wine list and I'm like, I want to try them all. And I don't ask for a taste of them all. But it's like, how do I engage with my waiter, the psalm in a like productive way that doesn't take them away from their work and that isn't being like greedy. Yeah, I think there's like an unspoken like four max rule, right? Like per glass of wine. Okay. I think like two to three would be is an appropriate amount of like taste to ask for. Cool. But I do think customer service is really important and a lot of people forget that. A lot of people think they're hot shit. Um, service is 51% of what we focus on at John and Vinny's and Helen. So yeah. if people aren't happy and we're not serving them, they're not going to come back no matter how good that spicy facil is. Like right. it doesn't matter. That first glass, it's got to be it's great. Yeah, we're going to steal that deal. It's also, I want people to have what they like. And if, if we're strong arming you into a wine that your palate can't digest because we all have different palates, then I've failed. I have something on there for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's just being (laughs) like, hey, I really only like specific wines. And this is kind of what I usually drink. You know, shout out the large produced wine if it's easier for you to communicate. People are scared to say they like a buttery Chardonnay. It's like, just tell me that because then I can get you something that's like going to emulate that vibe in your mouth. So Mm. I think just being honest, trying to articulate we have a tendency to say like i i don't know i don't know like eliminate i don't know because it's okay you don't know right you can say like i like whispering angel but like want to try something different yeah i yeah exactly but i want to get a little crazy with it what do you have right uh i love that approach because i think um it's hard to know reading a wine list like what am i gonna like if you're not like fluent in wine um so this idea of like it's okay to like try two wines um when you're you know going for a glass to like get a sense for what might I like yeah I also tell my customers if they're in an unfamiliar place or a different restaurant they don't know the psalm or whatever what when you start drinking wine you should start paying attention to who imports it and who distributes it and that is another talking point like I like Zev Rovine's wines always do you have any that he imports? Some restaurants are going to not know what you're, excuse me, not know what you're talking about. But it it's another way. It's kind of like a next level way to get what you want, especially if you're ordering by the bottle and you can't taste it. Totally. 
Um, so one more quick question on that before we the, start tasting. Yeah, we can, uh, we can, I'll answer all the questions. Well, I think we'll get into that as we like taste. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I've noticed is when I'm ordering by the glass um, and they don't actually bring the bottle when they pour my glass. And so I really am a visual learner. So mm-hmm. like seeing a bottle, I do turn it around to check out who is the importer. Um, and so I usually will always just like ask like, Hey, like, could you actually bring the bottle? I'm just curious, but is it like customary for folks to like bring the bottle when they pour you a glass or not? It's not a defined, um, metric. Like there's no wrong or right way to do it. Okay. We pour it away from the table because we measure the glass Mm. And that's mostly because we had issues with underpouring and then a little with overpouring. To me, it's like I can't trust every server to eyeball the glass accurately, even mm-hmm. though it's like pour into the curvature. So we pour away, but uh, peop- I would just ask to see the label. Cool. Um, for wine pairings, we always pour table side. Cool. Because then that's that like next level engagement. Yeah. Well, I think every glass of wine is like an opportunity to learn. And um, I also have this habit now of like Googling um, wines at the table of like, which one do I want? You know, that's amazing. Actually, it's like, see, someone really needs to figure out the app for figuring out wine because there isn't really one that everything's too Yelpish that gives you like customer reviews. And that's not super helpful. Um, I would love to do an app that like helps you decode a wine list based on the things that I like and buy, which would be very yeah. cultish. But I mean, Helen's brand extension, which <laughs> I'm there for. Watch out. Looking for VC. Um, yeah. Wait, <laughs> holler. I'm investing in that. Um, I've got your wine shirt. I'll yeah. have your wine app. Eventually We're doing a you'll bag. have a <laughs> national wine club and then Trying. I'll be on it. We're trying. We're getting a license where we can ship, but the I'm hoping Amazon will like blaze the trails for breaking down the shipping laws within state to state. But by November, I should be able to ship everyone in California into nine states. DC included? I think maybe. I'll have to check. Domain LA ships me wine, so I'm guessing you could. I'm sure they do it legally. Anyway, I don't want to. Yeah. Cut that out. (laughs) Jackie, know where to edit. Yeah. Um, No, it's uh, a lot of people ship when they're not supposed to. Let me put it that way. And it's uh, I want to grow bigger than the risk it is for me to do it for the short sale. I want to go for the 10 year legit. You know, when you think about innovation in business and like bad user experience. I just feel like wine is bad user experience left and right. Yeah. For as delicious as like it can be and as great as it can be, like there's so many points where it goes wrong. Oh <laughs> and I God. feel like why people could hate wine um, or not care to like learn more and yes. get excited. Like, you know, I heard you in a podcast about, you know, people love, you know, going to the farmer's market here in LA and they care so much about the vegetables and the meats and the dairy that they buy. But when it comes to wine, it's like they pick something up at Trader Joe's and it's like, that is the antithesis of like everything that your values, you know, claim to be in a way when you shop at the farmer's market. So it's like your wine should be like your kale, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it all, it all comes down to time and convenience and like the definition of those two things are changing as technology changes. So 
convenience is really important and people love it, but then also like how people spend their time is really important. I, th I think what I'm trying to do is to help people redefine those things in a modern tech era where like the immediacy of life mm -hmm. is so accessible. So why should you make the extra stop to go buy wine mm -hmm. if when you're like grabbing milk at a grocery store, for example? Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think the once people start to understand what they're putting in their body, though, that there's like 72 foreign ingredients also mixed in with their wine or more. Yeah. Then the tune kind of changes. Not so. Exactly. Um, well, let's dig into this first wine. What are we drinking here? Um, we are drinking a wine from Sicily. Uh, I was just like, we're myth busting that dark rosé right now. Like, it's a, yes. it's a, it's a yeah, pet nap. describe what yeah. it looks like. So it's, it's like raspberry, strawberry jam and color, that camp PB&J vibes. Yum. Uh, it's a, it's a frisant, but it's made more of that petillant naturel style, meaning that the second, it's bottled like in right mm. after the first fermentation. So the second fermentation doesn't complete and the wine is never filtered or fined. Okay, so it's made, it's, oh, I should tell what wine it is. It's yeah. Cantina Marilina, and it's called the Fedeli, and there's, like, two adorable girls, like, running through vineyards as a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, those are two sisters, uh, Marilina and Federica, and they took over the winery from their dad, Angelo. They're in Sicily, outside of an, a city called Noto, which is, like, this total Game of Thrones vibe city, like, built in. We, we were pulling up to it. We went to Marilina's wedding Amazing. in June, which was, first of all, Sicilian weddings rule. It was mind-blowing. Um, That's quite the invite. It's amazing. And, yeah. like... This concept of spaghettata got introduced into my life. And I don't know what that is. It, 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 my life is forever changed. It's basically this Italian, but specifically Sicilian tradition that around midnight you've been partying, you're hanging, and then like Mom Dukes throws down spaghettata, which has various versions, but the one we had was they made like a slow garlic oil, mm. and then they cook spaghetti, and then they toss it with the oil and then put pecorino romano on top and it's Dang. oily and like seductive and succulent so it was so good so that's spaghetti and it's a signal for everyone to get get out <laughs> go home now that's a great that's a great sending home yeah i'm gonna signal. use that party trick it's totally. like the best but uh they're outside noto yeah so um like how old are the sisters and how long have they been making wines now they've been around the winery their entire lives right they're, uh, one of them is 29 and the other one is 34, I think. That's so cool. Yeah, and they grew up with it. Um, it's something they love. They, their dad is older, looking to retire. They were already working with him, mm -hmm. but now have like really taken over. And the, the Cantina, the Fedeli is really the, one of their projects that they've brought out into the marketplace. Um, they're also like gorgeous yeah. and perfect in every way. I was like looking at Federica's leg, which sounds <laughs> really intense, but it was cool, guys. She didn't know. And I was just like, that's a perfect leg. Like yeah. that leg is perfect. <laughs> Not size-wise, just like skin. I was just like, you're Italian. And, um, and like made of beautiful grapes. Totally. Are they working both like um, among the vines as well as like in the cellar? Yes. They're doing A to Z. Okay. Um, you know, they also work in like the marketing, but they're in the in the vineyard. Uh, they kind of both split those duties. They definitely like are harvesting vinification A to Z for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's like a real family affair over there. 
That's amazing. And who's the importer on this one? This one, Zev. This is a Zev. Zev Rovine. Nice. Uh, it's Norello Mascalese. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Nero Diavola. Okay. So Nero Diavola is a red skin grape grown widely in Sicily. Norello Mascalese is like the most noble grape in Sicily, and it's okay. most predominantly grown around Etna. So like Frank Corneliuson is like the master of Norella Mascalese. And they are heavily inspired from him and his vinification thought and technique. So are Even they friends? Like, Oh yeah, they're yeah. homies. He wasn't at the wedding. Cool. He was invited, couldn't go. That We had just spent three days with Frank the day before and it changed my life. I mean, that guy's a vision. Pineapple needs to go to Etna and like get down with that dude he's I mean I know it's not a woman but like it's a philosophy of life yeah it's really cool all right before we head to the next one oh, can yeah. you share um what the philosophy like just like a snippet from him that really changed you I think there were two things one we had an intersecting philosophy of like it can always be better. And it's not about saying you're bad, but it's about like striving to improve and do something new and innovate and like always keep chasing that. And that like every day you start from like your, not from the bottom, but you start from like a place of humility and mm. you like launch. And I've done that since I've been working. And so we like, we're vibing out on that. Mm -hmm. um, it was really about how passionate he was about the place. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, this is such an amazing part of Sicily. And he was like, this is not Sicily. He was like, this is Etna. Mm -hmm. And using that like externalization of power and vibe and essence to internalize your practice was just a really amazing thought. And I was like, came back to LA and I was like, man, this isn't like LA, this is <laughs> Fairfax. <laughs> doesn't work it's not the Love same it. it's yeah. not the same i'm uh, gonna make it work at some point well i mean wine is this like very at once like earthy as well as spiritual endeavor i'm sure i can't even imagine if you're working with it um but certainly drinking it it's this like you know yeah. body soul sort of connection drinking this wine from sicily the cantina marilina it's like it's like such salty watermelon and it's literally a slightly raised elevation flat area with this like calcareous soil and you can smell the ocean even though it's 20 kilometers away and like I think that is what is so special too about this wine it's just like it's genie in the bottle vibes so totally <laughs> it's it's mouth-watering it's um, beautiful to look at I think that's one thing about many natural wines that I've tasted um, is that visually they're just stunning and like yes I can't get enough. <laughs> they, they're intoxicating. It's, it's a mind boggle why other winemakers would change the color of their wine on purpose. Right. To be, to fit some definition of beauty that in wine that who decided like make your rosé more pale and make it so metaphoric of like society which is just so right. bizarre that's another pineapple radio episode <laughs> part two with helen but for yeah. this episode we're gonna try yeah. our second one okay cool yeah <laughs> she got deep for a second no i mean into it just uh so this is um made by tracy i mean this is a husband and wife team but Great. i think tracy is such tracy and brian tracy's such a um she's such a like like cornerstone to this practice uh it's donkey and goat 
cool. And they're one of those like garage wineries up north. So their winery is actually in Berkeley. But they sort, they grow some of the grapes. They source the grapes. This is from El Dorado, which is right at like the Sierra foothills. Um, it's from one single vineyard mm. that has a little bit of like a granitic influence. It's so skin ferment. Sorry, it's a skin ferment Roussan. So Roussan's the grape varietal. It ferments on its skins mm-hmm. for 12 days, which would make this a orange wine. We mm-hmm. call them skin ferment. Extended skin contact white wines. Right. And what Skin Contact does is it adds texture, color, essence, vibe, character to change the wine and is a similar process to how you'd make a red wine. It's delicious. And it's this, like, beautiful um, gold color. Mm. And it's, like, it smells like apricots. Just, like... Oh, yeah. Um, and so many wines are made by husband and wife teams, right? Yes. Um, or, like, at least, like, the vineyard is managed, owned by a husband and wife team. Yes. Um, and that's also really important, like, in terms of understanding just, like, who the winemakers are and how do you run a successful wine business. It's not always, like, one person doing yeah. everything. It's a family or it's, it's a, a crew. couple. Yeah. I. Like, I feel like 90% of the time it's a family affair for sure. Yeah. Especially uh, in France and Spain and Italy. Um, I think that what people try and glamorize wine so much, especially but in the vineyard, but like at its most base level, it's farming. It's like, yeah. it's real messy and dirty and there's not as much glamour as I think people denote. They romanticize it in some ways. Uh, So I think that when you find families working on it, even if the female is like the matriarchal leader of that crew, uh, it's because of necessity. It's Mm -hmm. like this is their livelihood and Mm -hmm. it's not like they're super loaded and they can just hire like 20 minions to do all the work. It's really we built this. We make it. I just have so much respect for that and, and the passion behind that. It's like they really love what they do. Totally. Yeah. And you can taste it. Yes. This wine is epic. Yeah. Uh, This is like a... Uh, The aromatics are just like blowing my goddamn mind. So this like... This wine would be... Sorry, Line Hotel. (laughs) Can't try this wine. (laughs) This wine, you would say, is like a lot more aromatic on the nose than the first wine we tried. Absolutely. Totally different climates, totally different grapes. Roussan is a lower acid, more floral grape, typically found in the Northern Rhone in France. Uh, So you would find Roussan where you find Marsan, more high elevation, slightly mountainous. Um, I think that's also why it grows pretty well in the Sierra foothills, like Mm -hmm. a little bit higher elevation. But yeah, this wine's bananas. It has such a different expressive quality where someone would smell it and probably be like, it's going to be sweet. And it's really not sweet at all. Yeah. People shouldn't be afraid of like floral and fruit. And there's so many bad representations of it that I suffered through for everybody, for your benefit, guys. <laughs> I suffered for you years of tasting shitty Gewurz from you. Right. <laughs> How many wines a week are you tasting? Um, I would say on average, like... 50 to 60. Okay. Uh, on a really busy week, like 100. And this is um, like with uh, like distributors yes. like doing tastings? This is with distributors. Um, it depends how packed my schedule is. I like to usually have at least three appointments per week. 
So that would be more like 30 wines, but I, a great week is if I have six to nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to just taste as much as I can. It's really great for my team too. Yeah. I try and include everybody I can. Not at other restaurants, you know, it used to be like we could all, we just tasted together. Yeah. And now it's like baby birds fly free, like taste with, you know, individually. Yeah. But sometimes we do internal tastings like the Jean-Pierre Robineau wines, which are just like epic and mind-blowing. It's a guy who's making Chenin Blanc and Pinot Dianne in the Loire Valley in Jasnier. Uh, I bought a case of each of the cuvee because it's going to sell out. And I tasted it with Sasha and Ross, one of our Psalms. We opened every bottle. And I'm so glad I did because I ordered more of the ones that I was like, fuck, yeah, I need this in my life. This is game changing. Awesome. I mean, I think it's it's enviable to be at this place where you're you just have such an expansive knowledge of different wines and you've tasted different vintages. Yes. And when you find one that really resonates with you, like, you know it. Um, and I think like as I, you know, I've probably been down this path for like two years of like being interested in wine and like drinking um, thoughtfully. Yeah. Uh, intentionally and trying to understand what I'm drinking. Um, while having fun but uh, (laughs) you know and I think I do kind of come across wines where I'm like oh dang like this hits all of the notes that I like in a wine Um, whereas some I'm like oh this is like cool and interesting but like doesn't light my fire as much it's so cool that you're tuned into that what what's like the most game-changing wine you've ever had that's a or or one question. or one that or gateway wine or like one that you were just like what like I I mean I have some but yeah um, raw wine one of the so I went two years ago in New York cool. and um, that whole experience was a gateway for me uh, the second wine I tried there was the Gutaga Gutagao Gutagao oh, the Gutagao wines I'm are like, so good I'm like how the hell do you pronounce that Gutagao Gutagao um, and they have these like part of what drew me to it was the label which has these um, caricatures of different people um, drawn out right the facial sketches the they're fa- like very Wall Street Journal vibes right exactly <laughs> and I was like what is this and um I just was so blown away by like the flavor profiles and then also the label and how those facial sketches are meant to indicate the character of the wine. Yes. And I was like, that is so cool. And like, that makes so much sense to me rather than like a fancy like script, which tells me nothing. But do you know what's amazing about you as like a curious person in the wine world and why it's amazing for me and like you're an example to even some of the psalms that work for me even though you're like I'm just baby stepping in is you're curious enough to ask these questions that a lot of psalms are too proud to ask like what do the labels mean why are they you know what I mean yeah and I'm always like the second I stop asking questions even though it's like that's a dumb like I should know that this whole idea in wine that like you should know it yeah is so weird and so it's like it's really inspirational. Oh, thank yeah, you. I like well, it. Well, um, I think you certainly set the example of, like, having fun with wine. Yeah. And, like, it can be something that is, like, part of my interest in food. Yes. Um, and I think that's what's been really exciting is, like, you know, I'm an environmental studies major, fun fact. And so I geek out Sick. on, like, soil and agroecology. And I wanted to be a climatologist at one point in my life. 
found my way to food, which is great because it all ties back to farms and our environment. And that's what I love about wine is that for me personally, but for most people who enjoy wine, it's like one of the few agricultural products that we really care about, you know, where it comes from, the yes. varietal, um, you know, who grew it, how, when. But it also has the least transparency, which right. is insane when right. you think about it. So obscure. Yes. Like nothing's on the label. How do I know? And Yeah. I, so let's transform yeah. that together. Yeah. Because I think that. I have so many questions on your thoughts on the climate because like. It's real crazy. Totally. Yeah. Um, Another podcast. Yeah. Hey, part two can yeah. happen. I'm there for it. Uh, Jack, do we have time for our last wine tasting if we make it quick? Cool. Um, it's 4.01 p.m. It's okay. Great. I uh, buffered with 15 minutes. Love it. All nice. right. Well, let's taste the last wine um, because I want to get your thoughts on it. And maybe if this applies for the last wine, you could like walk us through it as if you were walking through it with your team. Oh, my God. <laughs> Totes. Let's do like, it. How cool would it be to sit in on a Helen's wine team meeting? Um, that is like my dream. So trying to bring that to life on radio right now. I feel like I'm going to take my spasms down a notch for that. <laughs> like the ADD is like, um, I don't think you need a rinse, but okay. Uh, okay. So my team loves this wine. So it, I'm like sort of fabricating it because I feel like they all know it really well. But all right. Let's say suddenly Just like as if you were aliens abducted my team and I had a new team. Right. I'd be like, yo, new team. Uh, so Italian wine. People love it, but a lot of times, like the good shit, the Sangiovese, it's just a little out of their reach. The price point's a little high. You got to find the jemmy stuff that's also drinkable now. It's a wine that you can age, but it's also a wine that like you should be able to quaff, eat an LA woman pizza, and like get down. Uh, this is made by two women. They happen to be lovers. They've got love in the vines. It was one of the mm. women's. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like Angela and Fabrizia. Uh, I think, yeah, her name's Angela. Uh, her dad, she inherited the vineyards from him. We're in Montepulciano, which I think is confusing for people because it's a grape and a place. Uh, so this is the Rosso di Montepulciano from Sanguinetto. Uh, if you were thinking about a map of Italy, uh, Montepulciano would kind of be like, n we're like north and east a little bit from Tuscany. And for those of you who don't know, Tuscany is an area that uh, sort of encapsulates Chianti and Brunello, and you could kind of say Montepulciano a little bit. And it's where Sangiovese, the red grape varietal, is like queen. Mm -hmm. um, but people get confused about this area because they're like, it's a grape and a place. But this is actually made from Sangiovese. 100%. They have these beautiful uh, southeast-facing, soft-sloping vines, and they're all old, which means they're all between, like, 60 and 80 years old. And why that's important is that the roots have grown farther into the soil. They're dragging up more nutrients, so it's expressing more the complexity of that terroir. Uh, their vineyards have never been exposed to herbicides or pesticides. Mm. They farm the land by hand. So they, all the wines I buy, no mechanized farming. Cool. You can't make a dope, well-made wine if you pick it with a machine. Mm. It just totally ruins the fruit. Um, that's a whole other podcast. Totally. Um, but yeah, these are two lovers, two wives. You and can taste uh, it. It's pretty rad. And so 
typically when I'm tasting with my staff, I'm like, how do you talk about this to a table without sounding like an asshole? Like, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you break it down for people? What are they looking for? They say they, you know, to me, I would say this is like medium bodied. Right. So this is a red and it's, you chilled it. Mm. Which I did because uh, it's summer and it's yeah. also 2016. It's not really that old. Mm-hmm. They make a more serious Sangiovese, which is the red grape varietal. That's called the Vino di Nobile. And that I would serve cellar temp. Mm-hmm. Temperature is like a big thing for me with wine. Okay. Can you talk to us just a little bit about temperature? Like yes. In terms of like you buy wine at a wine shop and you put it in your fridge or you like put it on your kitchen counter. Um, just like... What should we know, basics? Wine is sensitive, especially natural wine. It's more sensitive to heat than your refrigerator. People are often like, if I get it too cold, it's going to hurt it. The opposite is true. If you cook the wine, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. You will not like harm it unless you freeze the wine on the cold spectrum. Yeah. Um, so heat damage is real. When you buy, like Helen's is all temperature controlled. So everything you buy is temperature controlled. Don't leave it in a car. Don't leave it in your hot apartment. If you don't have central air or a way to control your temperature, just put it in your regular refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Red wine, white wine, sparkling wine, rosé, all wine. And if you don't like your red super cold or it's a wine that shouldn't be that cold because it's going to trap the aromatics, just pull it out 10 minutes before you want to serve it or drink it. Awesome. Um, so quickly to wrap this up, how would like non-intimidating words you would use to describe this to a table slash our audience on radio yeah I mean I would be like it has just this beautiful concentrated sort of riper strawberry type bouquet of like kind of crushed roses so when you take a Mm. sip there's a floral aspect a dried fruit aspect and a fresh fruit aspect Mm. it's just kind of licks your tongue with like medium tannins it's that perfect balance of fresh acidity with a good amount of body. Like the junk in the trunk still there. That's craveable red. When someone's like, I need, I want to break me off a piece of that. I don't know if people say that. <laughs> I guess so. so I you like would someone know. said it to me. Yeah. Uh, I totally taste that. And I'm not one to love reds. I think I've always found them like too tannic, a little bit, like too heavy bodied, warm. Yeah. You know? and Hot I'm, wine's the worst, I gotta say. And I'm, I love like the the first one especially i feel like that's an ariel wine which is just awesome. like fruity crushable a little bit effervescent yes um, funky funky it's imperfect in yeah. some ways yeah and like visually i like love looking at that bottle from the <laughs> color of the wine to the label is this beautiful illustration of women frolicking in the vineyard it's like what could be better it's like your poster wine <laughs> yeah exactly it is my wine. It's the pine spirit. up. <laughs> um, hashtag pine four wine. Pine four. I was like, wait, I yeah. got that wrong. Pine up. I like that. Though. I like pine up too. Yeah. All right. That one's yeah. for you. Pine okay. up. I'm going to be. <laughs> um, well, this is. <laughs> Carts. <laughs> Lobby. Cart life. Cart up. Cart up. <laughs> um, well, this has been awesome. Like truly so much fun to chat with you about wine and your journey and how you've empowered so many women to like on your team as well as customers guests to um share the love and like get excited about the juice and where it comes from and who made it and like the whole experience around it because I think that's what's really special is just that there's an experience around wine that's like very unique 
Yes, and it can translate to your table. Like you can emulate all these vibes at your house, at your friend's house. Yes. I just want to thank you. I mean, I'm. It's really cool what you're doing, and I. It's really exciting to be a part of the enthusiasm. And it's crazy because, like, I was on my way here and I was like, shit, I know this girl. Like, how do I know her? And it's because we emailed to book your flight, wine flight, maybe. Or I've emailed with you outside of this. Yeah. And I was it like hit me when you told me you had gone. And I was like, oh, my God, she I think you asked me if I was going to be there or something. So it's like it's all clicking back, which is. Yeah. So rad. Yeah. Uh And I wish I had been there, but I'm so glad Sasha was there. I have people who could care less about me and are like, is Sasha here? I'm like. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, go. I'm nobody. Sasha's dope. Totally. I mean, it just speaks to, I think, volumes to you that your team um, has that energy and um, is so giving. And this approach to wine, I think, is definitely, you know, the Helen's vibes and you empower <laughs> them to, like, do their own thing. But um, I, I think that's why I, I love about your brand, love about this conversation. And hopefully there's many more. And Yes, I got to get to D.C. I've literally totally i might I do not go there's a really good boslitz show at the national some museum there george boslitz you should go yeah because it's fucking sick okay. he's a german artist sorry cool totally yeah. not about wine I and like, not a woman a, <laughs> you know what we appreciate art good yeah. art so yeah, um, really we'll get the deets there i think it would be awesome to get the details of these wines to yes. like share about them in the radio write-up um, so that women can like Google it if they want to absolutely, and, and s- begin that journey or continue on that journey. And, um, yeah, we'd love to have you in DC. We'd love to do an event with you. So hopefully this so is down. just the beginning yes. of Helen's wine world and pineapple. Yes. It's uh, the cutest combo. Uh, amazing. <laughs> well, thank you again for thanks, joining Sarah. us in the line hotel in Los Angeles. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Um, Send us your questions, your feedback uh, on this episode. You can send us an email at hello at pineapplecollaborative.com. Uh, also on Instagram at pineapplecollaborative. Helen, where can they find you? So if they want to stay oh. in touch or follow up. Totally. Um, Helenswines.com is the website. We got all the info on there or at Helen's Wines on Instagram is the best way fastest yeah and you should 100% sign up for a tasting or a class if you're in LA I could not recommend it more highly and go to John and Vinny's or Animal or Kismet or any of the places and um, chat with her wine team because they're so much fun (laughs) and share the goods I love them too they're the best yeah literally so and thank you Jack for hosting us in Los Angeles and uh, talk to you soon (laughs) Full service radio.